Hi, welcome back. Another weekend. Pretty fun weekend. We've been we teased this maybe two, three episodes ago. Big show today. Big show. We got the man, the voice of Los Alamitos. The goat. Russell Lee's yes. calling him the goat. And uh, I don't want him to retire. But uh He's the only announcer I've ever known at Los Alamitos. I mean, besides a couple of special appearances yeah, by Katulak and, you know, and a few other people, but you know, that's he's the only announcer I've ever known, really. So, uh, welcome, uh, Mr. Ed Berger. How you doing? I'll tell you what, I started calling here in 1981. Neither one of you guys. <laughs> no, we weren't. You weren't even born. No. That's the amazing part, and I started working here back in 77, so... Uh, you're like some of the younger trainers right now that they yeah. weren't even out of their mother's wombs when I was calling them. That that so that's kind of scary. That's that is pretty true. We both from '85. Yeah. So you started calling in '81. Now, before all this, how long did you start thinking? Um, I think I could be a race caller. Actually, it was probably 1979. Okay. Because I was up at Bay Meadows, and I had never called a race before, and I called the last race one day. And everybody said, what a great job I did. But mm -hmm. I've been thinking about wanting maybe to try calling a race. Yeah. Then Todd Creed was the announcer up there. It's the first year Bobby Doyle didn't go to Bay Meadows to call the Porter Horses. And Todd Creed was the thoroughbred announcer. Well, okay. Todd let me call the last race. Then Todd was sick the next three days. So I was able to call the races for three consecutive days. And everybody loved the work I did. And I, I knew right then that that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. That's how I pretty much got started. Now, before all this, you, did you do some radio work? Started working here in 77 in the publicity department, Bruce Rimbo, mm -hmm. who went on to Rio Dos and a lot of the other tracks, hired me to be the radio TV coordinator. So I was doing results for KNX Radio and a lot of the other t radio and television stations. And I started doing interviews down in the winner's circle and handicapping seminars. So that's pretty much how I got involved in quarter horse racing because all of my background before that, as far as racing went, I followed thoroughbreds all my life, not quarter oh, horses. Yeah. So we could say this is probably the place for. You know, I fell in love with quarter, quarter horse racing, obviously. Curtis as well. Yeah. Um, so your first ever race was a thoroughbred race, right? Well, the first race I ever went to was a thoroughbred race, race when I was four years old. Yeah. So I was a derelict a long time before. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that's how we all get yes, it. Yes, yeah, that's how we all get it. You know, my dad, was a, he loved to go out to the track and gamble, so he would take me out on Saturdays with him. And mm -hmm. pretty much the whole story was when I was in school, if you get a B average, I'll take you to the track each Saturday. So I always maintain my grades yeah. really well. And I had a teacher when I was in math in third grade that I would bring my racing form to class and would be between my books and I would discuss some of the horses with him. Nice. I'm not going to say it's similar to what happened <laughs> to that principal that uh, <laughs> lost his job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some yeah. of the teachers do like to gamble. Yeah. I mean, it's what that's worth. We all, you know, We've all say it, but it's true. Once you kind of get the bug, you kind of become a lifer. You, you tend to follow whether you want to be a follower of the racing or be involved in it. Uh, once you really understand the game and, you, and it catches on, I think it's hard to really turn off from it, right? No, it gets in your blood, that's yeah. for sure. I mean, I, I'll go home at night, and a lot of my thoughts are still with horse exactly. racing and what's going to happen. And the nice part about racing, I don't know what you guys think, is that each race is different. So you yeah. can go from one race to another. Nothing's ever the same. So that's kind of what keeps me interested in racing because I know that you can put the last race, or you should put the last in race the out of your mind yes. and just go on four because you're going to have different scenarios, different trainers, different jockeys, different pace setups. So it makes it really interesting. Uh, UCLA alone? Yeah, I graduated in 1974. Uh, covered, I was sports editor of the Daily Bruins. So you I, were? Oh, okay. I covered the Bill Walton era, John Wooden. Nice. I was back at Notre Dame. When uh, 
the winning streak was snapped at 88 games. So, I covered, 88 games? Yeah, 88 games in a row. Wow. UCLA had won. So I, I, I was able to cover all that, and I was able to fly with the team. And nice. when I was sports editor of the Daily Brew, and I was even able to manage to put a horse racing column in once every week, which I did on my own. Yeah. I go out to Hollywood Park. I go to some places and interview some people, and that's pretty much how I became acquainted with uh, some of the horse racing personalities. Gordon Jones, yes, came out and spoke at one of my journalism classes, and Gordon's the one who took me out to Hollywood Park, and that's where I met a lot of the people that got me involved. So always love seeing him at Fair Play. Yes, yeah, right. That's, the big, the big headset. Yeah, big headset with the big microphone. You, you'd stand on the box there, and that, that was. When you knew it was fair play yeah, time, yeah. he was out there giving picks by the paddock. Yeah, and it's, that was always something to see. It's fun. And the one thing about Curtis, I mean, I don't know how old you were when Moving Brown Jug was running, but your dad's trained oh. a lot of great. You were probably what five or six years old. Right? Yeah, I was. Uh, we saw the statue right there. Really? You know, when you when you walk into the house, but yeah, that's that's definitely a. One of, the, one of the older favorites we have, but yeah, I was pretty young. I, I don't even remember him running really. No, you had your dad had some great horses back there with George Loeb and a lot of the people. So yeah, yeah, he was he was really doing well in the '90s with with George Loeb, like you said, and uh, Bill Stratmore had all those Artesia horses, and, and that was a pretty good family for him. Now, so you went to UCLA, you graduated. Were you always close? Did you ever take a break from Los Al as far as not being part well, of, of the team here? When I graduated from UCLA in 74, I got a job at the Orange Coast Daily Pilot, mm -hmm. which was a newspaper owned by the Los Angeles Times, but it's located in Costa Mesa. So, okay. And it covered all of the Orange County sports. So I worked there for two and a half years before I got hired here. But the reason I got hired here, I'd come out and I had done a few stories on some of the horse racing people. Yeah. And that's how I got to know Bruce Rembo. And I always told Bruce if a job opens up here, I'd really be interested. Yeah. And Bruce called me when a position opened up, and that's how... I became involved here, and I started a handicapping publication with a friend of mine, uh, Warren Eves, back in 1978. Yeah. We had a quarter horse report, and that's how I started watching all the replays and everything else, and got myself involved in so much of the handicapping. Now, uh, would, would it be fair to say that quarter horse racing became the true calling, the true love? Obviously, yeah. It became my true love after, I, probably after I was here about a year, year and a half. Yeah. Once I started watching the replays and started handicapping, and to me it became so much easier to handicap a quarter horse I race agree. than handicap a thoroughbred race. Because, number one, never have to worry about horses going from turf back to dirt. Yeah, exactly. And they pretty much run most of the same distances. And you could handicap horses going from 300 to 350 to 400. But you didn't have to worry about horses going a mile and a half. Yeah. And horses coming in from so many different tracks. And I just thought that uh, the trouble aspect is what got me interested in it. watching horses and trying to analyze the trouble and how much the rider had in reserve at the end of the mm -hmm. horse got in trouble and you could pretty much get a good price on the replays by doing that i agree i think overall if i tell people that are you know are not right away involved in like betting quarter horse racing um you know obviously you chart the races and i'm pretty sure you've got a great eye now for catching any any little misstep out of the gate and any kind of trouble like that, whether it's brushing or maybe turning the head and not running straight, that could be something that maybe a regular fan might not pick up on a daily basis. And I think that's where analyzing the replays comes in very handy. Yeah, I think the best thing you can do if you're handicapping horse racing is, is get into watching replays. Mm -hmm. You know, I can watch the races and chart uh, to the best of my ability, and but sometimes it's hard to put into words exactly what had happened 
you know, yeah. at the beginning of a race, if a horse, you know, took a bad step or maybe he did something. Sometimes there's a gray area where, you know, I really don't know exactly what to put. And, you know, the races can be very subjective from person to person, yes. the way you watch them. So my number one thing would be if you're, if you're new to gambling, get into watching replays. Yeah. So this is uh, what year number of you calling races here? It's be 37. 37. I started at 81, so yeah, 37 yeah, years. 37 years. And as of right now, you're scheduled to retire at the end of? December 30th. All right, December. So that's the date. <laughs> that's the scheduled date. Okay, well, you still have one more year of a, a big Calbert program in the middle of July. You have the AQHA Championships at the end of the year. One more winner, dog. One more winner, dog. Now, that's, I mean, that's the biggest crowd on track year every year. Yeah. And it's a great, it's a great, it's a fun night. I love it. That's you. It's pretty big for the community everybody yeah. uh that's the one day everybody from around here comes out and ed does a great job calling the, you want to talk about trouble <laughs> yes I mean, there, there's huge trouble in those races those, those dogs are going everywhere now obviously you called some terrific terrific horses is there any particular horses that come to your mind that you're you were a big fan of first champion of champions i called i don't know why maybe it's just because it was my first, first year one. calling but denim and diamonds and sergeant pepper feature mm-hmm when they were in the champion of champions and ran first and second and R.D. Hubbard owned Denim and Diamonds. Tom Neff owned Sergeant Pepper Feature and Mike Robbins trained Sergeant Pepper Feature. Really? Okay. You know, so Mike's still obviously involved with the Reliance yes. Ranches now. It's a lot of horses, but that's the race I probably remember the most because it was my first champion of champions. I went over to a place called uh, Rickabobs, which is now Gourmet Pie, but it's been several different names. Names, yeah. And sat down with R.D. Hubbard after the races and ordered a Budweiser, and he says, no, you got to drink Coors Light at my table. You can't drink, because he was a Coors Light person. Oh, really? Nice. So that's how I got involved drinking Coors Light. <laughs> so he can blame you. He got to blame. He can blame Hubbard. to blame, but that's, that's the race I still remember the most of all the champion of champions I've called. And I won't say, obviously, those are probably aren't the greatest horses I've called. But they were both outstanding horses. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, first down dash, one of the champion of champions. Mm-hmm. I go back and take a look at the field that he beat. Yeah. And that was a spectacular win. Refrigerator winning three champion champions. And that'll probably never be uh, surpassed again. Those would probably be some of the top moments. Now, as a race caller, I'm pretty sure, uh, just like you know myself being an analyst and handicapper, I'm probably my biggest critic when I miss something or when I structure my ticket wrong or whatever. I'm, I'm probably my biggest critic. I'm sure you are for yourself as well. Is there one race that you would like to take back? One that you're like, ah, oh, I yeah, completely the 2012 All American Futurity. I remember that. One. And it, it was, and it wasn't your fault. It was, it was, it to yeah. me in the audio, it sounded like a technical malfunction. Well, what what happened? And I don't want to, you know, I, I messed up the call. I, yeah. I'll be the first to admit that. But when the gate opened, my headset slipped off my head. It slipped off, and I was trying to catch it, uh, and I kind of lost track of which horses were where. Yeah. But that's that's a lame excuse because the headset should have been on a Properly, more thoroughly. Yeah. But, you know, I called Ochoa the day before in the All-American Derby, yeah. which I thought was a, one of my better calls. Yeah. And to come back in the All-American Futurity, I came right on TVG afterwards. I said, you know, I screwed it up. You know, yeah. things happen. But I think every announcer I know at one time or another, if you think back, um, my good friend Larry Colmas, I mean, he still hits himself in the head yes. of that call. I believe it was in the Wood Memorial a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, he, he, he'll he'll be the first to admit that he called the wrong horse coming on the inside, and then Trevor missed the street since yeah, and the Breeders' Cup Juvenile until the last fifty yards. So it's going to happen. Tom Durkin misses mind that bird. You know, it's one of those things that. Uh, but I, you're right. I still remember that race like it was yesterday, and yeah. I, I beat myself in the head for like a week or two afterwards. 
it's 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 tough, but I mean, you know, one of the things I always uh, thought it was very, very good from the things you do is just you tend to call a lot of detail in such a short amount of time. Wouldn't you agree, Curtis? Like, yeah, to get a lot of details in such a fifteen second race is not an easy task to do. And overall, I think Ed does a great job. Yeah, I mean, just from these hundred yard races, you know, a lot of the announcers you'll hear them say. Like how, how many uh, horses can can Ed get out of something like this? Yeah, you know, I can I can get maybe the first or second horse out of there, and, and that's it. But you know, Ed's just trying to power through all those, and we've had them you know a lot more lately. But yeah, in my eyes, there's there's nobody better in quarter horse racing. Did uh was there ever ever a time where there was thoughts of going anywhere else at Los Alamitos? Well, back in 1994, I was. Trevor Dimmitt would take his vacation at Hollywood Park in the fall. Yeah. And I felt uh, R.D. Hubbard, who was running Hollywood Park mm -hmm. at the time, and Ed Allred, who was running Los Alamitos right now, they thought it'd be a great promotion to have me fill in for Trevor during those couple of weeks and still come down here and call. So yeah. I would promote Los Alamitos at the same time. Well, I'd call those two years at Hollywood Park, and then Doc called me up here one day and says, what am I paying you right now? And I yeah. said, well, here's what you pay me. He says, Here's what I'm going to pay you now, so I don't want you to go to Hollywood Park. Yeah. <laughs> I think Hubbard at that time was thinking, well, yeah. maybe yeah. we can get Ed to come over here. Yeah. It's definitely good leverage yeah. for you. Yeah. So it was good leverage at that time. But uh, I still, as much as I enjoyed working at Hollywood Park, I still felt more at home here. Yeah, I, I think and, that, and I think it's because I've gotten to know the people, I know the horses, mm -hmm. I like the handicapping aspect of yeah. it. So, and I think overall, like we we joke around, but this is like home to us. Like, oh. Yeah, I mean, I grew up nearby Long Beach. I started coming here to races, uh, you know, as a kid as well. And I always wanted to be at the track. Friends were out doing this or that. I was like, I want to go to the track. And I'm pretty sure that's the same thing with you. Yeah, I mean, I've met a lot of my lifelong friends here. I, I mean, met, I met my wife here. <laughs> yeah, same thing. I met my wife here when she came to, to work at Los Al. And she came up to the press box to work. You know, one of my best friends, uh, you know, George Duarte, yes. you know, Quarters George on, on Twitter. Met him down in the arcade, and and we've just grown up together, and and a lot of my other friends, and and we've gone on to claim horses together. We yeah. we bred a, a quarter horse, and yeah. and like you said, it just gets in you, and yeah, this is all I've ever wanted to do. You know, this Friday through Sunday, Thursday through Sunday, this is the only place I wanted to go. Yeah, it's it's own. We have our own community here. Yes, it is. It yeah, is. it's like our home that would be somewhere somebody else's home somewhere else because. It's not like when you go to a baseball game or a football game or work at a place like that because you have so many different types of people here at the racetrack. It's a tight-knit community. Yeah, it is. So what's the plan for retirement? What? what uh, well, I have a home up in Prescott Valley. Mm -hmm. We've had the home up there for 12 years, and I'm not going to totally retire. still going to be doing a lot of stuff on the computer involved in horse racing. Yeah. Um, I might still be involved in a few things for Los Alamitos, but I need to sit down with Dr. Allred and talk about that. Mm -hmm. and. My wife and I want to do quite a bit of traveling. Her goal, and she's as sick as I am sometimes, she wants to try to hit as many racetracks in the country yeah. as we can. Traveling. Is she into horse racing as well then? Well, I met her, she was a bartender okay. back in the 80s when I met her up in Fresno. And she comes out occasionally, and she used to come out with $20 and be happy now. Yeah. She needs 100 or 200 <laughs> and she wants to play trifectas and super fetches all the time. <laughs> she but, takes the wallet and gives you a 20 and keeps the wallet. Yeah, she loves to play the tries and supers. and. Yeah. Can't get her to make a win better. Yeah. What does that tell you? Yeah. She's going for the big hits. No. Yeah. She understands the game, that which helps. If you don't have somebody that understands exactly. the game involved, and she knows my ups and downs and my moods, and she comes home, if I come home at nighttime and 
I'm not in a real good mood. She just stays away from yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, mean, you, if you lose a tough photo, you, you get DQ'd on a questionable DQ. <laughs> well, I won't say that. Yeah. But, you know, things happen. But th that is very true because if, you know, we're obviously we're all married. And if we, we didn't have if we didn't have spouses that understood the game, at least in the level, we would all probably be divorced by now. Yeah. Because it's it becomes a life. It's a lifestyle. It's not like a clock in at, five, at 8 a.m. and clock out at 4. It's... It's a lifestyle. It's uh, weird hours. Yes. And most of the time it's weekends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so when other people are, are going out partying, you know, you have to be able to be with a spouse who yeah. you know, says Friday through Sunday night, we're, yeah. we're going to the horse track. Yeah. Well, you know, not only that, uh, during the daytime, you're on the computer looking at replays. Exactly. So yeah. I understand that part of it too. That's, that comes <laughs> with the territory. Yep. Yeah. She's, uh, my wife's like, what are you doing on the computer on Tuesday? I was like, well, the entries are out. <laughs> I'm looking exactly. at replays already. It's a, just a week-long process. It you know, is. They're drawn Tuesday for Friday exactly. and Wednesday for Saturday and so on. So, yeah, it's just uh, it, it can be uh, almost a 24-7 thing. So are you much of a golfer or any, any hobbies outside of horseshoe you want to pick up? Well, I like to bowl. Oh, I'm not Curtis, a Curtis is a good you bowler. You never told me you like to bowl. I haven't bowled in quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, when I was at UCLA, and I mean, I, mean, I wasn't a great no, bowler. But I, was, just, I probably yeah. average around 140, 150. Yeah. Nothing, nothing spectacular. Yeah. Just have some fun. Kill some time. That's that's the one sport I enjoy. Yeah, it's good. I'll take up golf, too. Yeah. I've got a few people that want to get me out of the golf course. Yeah. Shout out to Dave Weaver. Dave Weaver's a golfer. And yeah, he's, Weaver and McKeever. He's, he's, done, he's known to put up little side wagers. Uh, his, his, his swing is ugly, but he's got a good putter. He's got a good putter. Seems like those are good opponents to start with. You're right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I've actually picked up bowling in the last couple of months. Again, uh, went to Vegas a few months ago on a Monday, Tuesday. We, we bowled like two nights in a row. That's fun. So maybe we can go bowling one of these nights. I'm all up for it. I know all the bowling hours around yeah, here. I'll be coming off a long layoff. <laughs> that way. That'd be good. Uh, any deals you want to ask Burgart? Oh gosh. Um, who would the, be your favorite horse of all time? Yeah, a good question. Uh, my favorite horse of all time? Yeah. Quarter horse. Yeah. There's so many of them. All right, give me give me at least a few out of the top of your head that we can add to that list. No particular order, but just a few horses that stand well, out to you. Probably because he won so many stakes races here at Sign Atlantic. Okay. Oh, okay. Which was an 870 yes. horse that John Cooper had that he was a – he performed for so many years at a high level, which is hard to do going 870. Didn't he run for – I want to say – I think he ran, a, he ran for a claiming tag at one time, but he became an exceptional 870 horse. I think he's got 17 stakes wins here. I think he's tied for the record. He, I mean, maybe. A lot of the great horses that got that I knew beforehand, like Kawea Bar and uh, Charger Bar, I wasn't working here when those horses ran. But those are kind of two of the quarter horses that got me interested in the sport as yeah. a fan. But since I've been here, I mean, Dash for Cash is probably the greatest quarter horse I've ever seen. And I wasn't working here when he set the record in the champion of champions, but his win that year in the champion of champions was almost like a thoroughbred winning by 10 or 12 lengths. So that that's the one race that stood out to me the most. So I'd say dash for cash is the best quarter horse. Um, have you ever been involved in owning or breeding at all? No, never, never had any interest. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe then once I'm retired, that's something I want to get involved in. Yeah run a few horses somewhere. That's, you know, it's something we can, I can discuss with my wife. <laughs> never, never had any desire. And I don't think it would be a, been in, in my best interest no. in my position. Not, not so much the announcing part of it, but doing the morning line. Yeah. That if I was running a horse, I could, yeah. I, I could probably have some issues there. 
And that's another thing. Perception wise. Yeah. And that's another thing I want to touch on. It's just so hard to find a price here because you're just so sharp on the morning line. So whenever I try to find a little bit of squeeze, a little bit of price, I try to lay the hammer and see if I can get a price. But when did you start uh, doing the morning line? Started doing the morning line. I want to say it was either at this, it was probably one year before I started announcing. Okay. So you did that before I you did started. the morning line up at Bay Meadows the first year I went up there. And the unfortunate part was when I was hired to do the morning line, nobody ever told it. Thoroughbred morning line maker, he wasn't doing the line, so I came up there and there he is sitting there turning his line in for the Oh line. no. And you just gave him the boot? <laughs> I just said, hey, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> you, were, you were the new kid in town? I felt terrible. I mean, here, here's this. I can see guy. that. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. But that's when I started doing the morning line, and I think it's because Jim Smith, who was general manager at that time for the uh, Quarter Horse Association, yeah. they liked what I was doing down here, my work involved with handicapping they said we'll bring you up to bay meadows this year if you can help out in the press box and promote quarter horse racing so that's and that was one of the decisions they gave yeah so that's how i got started doing the morning line i think from watching all the replays and my handicapping report i did here before that kind of gave me an advantage that's how dr Allred started reading a lot of my stuff too so Mm -hmm. how long would you say it took you to really you know fine-tune the process You know, it's, it's, I know I irritated people. I, I probably went overboard sometime because there was a horse one day that one of the big gamblers, he's no longer alive, but was really mad at me after, you know, because the horse ran seventh the first time out by four lengths. Mm-hmm. And I laid him three to one in the morning line. He said, what are you doing to us? You're yeah. going to kill us. Yeah. And the horse went off at two to one. Yeah. You know, but I was at that time when it, you make the morning line, you want to make the line the way the public's going to bet exactly. the race. Mm-hmm. But there were so many big players at the time that would bet a lot of money that almost influenced the toe board. So I was kind of trying to read what they were going to do yeah. as well. And it's still that way to a certain extent, but not as quite quite as bad as it was then. So yeah. I would lay horses that other line makers might make 15 or 20 to 1. I was putting them at 4 or 5 to 1 because I could tell off the trouble. Who was going to bet? Who, yeah. How the money was yeah. going to come in. It's still that way today on certain horses, like Perry's Pleasure that's running on the first race. We'll talk about that in yeah. a while. They ran third first time out as a maiden coming into the trials and made the horse two to one. Yeah, yeah. But that's because we anticipate some of the sharpest players looking at these trials because this is what course players are really looking at. And we anticipate the horses getting bet down. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's been quite a career. I've, me and Curtis, that's all we've known. You, the voice is Los Alamitos. So it's, it'll be strange, but I know you won't be far away. We'll, we'll, He's the one that first got us all together exactly, when we, yeah. we did the Champion of Champions was, show a few years ago. He was the first one that gave us gave us a shot, shot yep. to be on air next to him. 2011, 12? Oh, gosh. I don't... It was, was it, it the... I still go back. It was the Challenge Championships. I think it was was it 2014. Let me see. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Champion of it was, Champions. It was in it December. Was Aguila Real. So it was 20, was there. It was 2012. Okay. Yeah. It was 2012 because I remember I was in Arizona and I came back home for the winter. And that's when that was that December. So it was 2012. Yeah. So I'm horrible. That, that's, <laughs> that's why I always say that's why I do the charts. So I, cause I can't remember any races. I'm just, like Ed said, I watch one and then I'm on to the next one. That's why I write well, it all down. The amazing part about me, you know, talking about remembering races, I'll walk out of here at nights and somebody will say, well, who won the third race? And I can't remember. Right? I can't remember because I yeah. have to put each race out yeah. of my mind once it's over because I have to memorize the horses for the following race. So I couldn't tell you when to walk out of here tonight if somebody asked me. Exactly. Now, with, uh, when did you begin to really – was it 
right away that you're like, oh, it's it's pretty easy, the memorizing process as far as memorizing silks and names and all that? I think what helped me memorizing the silks and names, I'd watched replays doing all, the, doing all my handicapping for a while. I got to know the colors of a rider, the rider's style. So you could pretty much tell when Bruce Pilkington or Ralph Pauline or Kenny Hart was on a horse, you could tell the way they set. Mm -hmm. And they would pretty much uh, wear the Blanche Wannabelle silks. So they just pretty much associate the silks with the name of the horse. And it's, I've got a good memory for that. And I don't have a good memory for people's names. I, yeah. I think I irritated a woman one time. I said, if you had four legs, I'd remember your name. <laughs> I said the same thing to a man. You know, I said, you know, I can remember some somebody with four yeah. legs. Yes. And a tail, but I can't remember. <laughs> a person, either. yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't sound I, right but now. I, That's just, but it's true. I'm terrible <laughs> with names too. Like I'm, I'm good with, you know, associating colors mm -hmm. of jockeys and horses. Yeah. But people, it takes me a long time to remember the name. I have no, no idea Especially why. Especially at you know, the racetrack where you, you constantly meet new people right. and it's, it's always been hard to, to remember you. You'll see them again and uh, they'll come up to you. Oh, hey, Curtis, you know, Hey, Ed. And, and I'll say, I'll just, I can't remember your name. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just, at first I was very embarrassed about yes. it, but, but now I'm just no. out with it. Like, you have to, yeah. it's better to be upfront. Oh, sorry. You know, yeah. Right. You know, instead of trying to guess it or whatever, or trying to remember or act like you remember, but yeah it's always being honest <laughs> is the best way to go about it so all right that's a good chat uh with ed and this won't be the last i'm pretty sure we'll, we'll have you again book that down we'll have you again for, for another big night maybe in the future but you mean to handicap the winter dog yes races? yes that'll be fun well yeah for the most important night of the year <laughs> well we've got the challenge championships and yes california champions night so we got some big nights coming up later on this year california champions night is probably my one of my favorite quarter horse cards period just because it's it's and great. I think, you know, he's the dash of fires back in training yes. right now. Mm -hmm. uh, Jay Fire Up's back in training. So a lot of the big horses are coming up. And I, I'm not sure what the plans are for those horses. But I would think that uh, more than likely, he's the dash of fire. may show up on California Champions Night. Unless yeah. they're going for the vessel's maturity. So I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. That. We're yeah. about, what, about a wee, about a month. What is it? It's uh, the last Saturday in July. Yeah. So we're, we're six June weeks, 9th, yeah, six six weeks six. away. Yeah. About six weeks away from from California British Champions Night. So some big names back on the grounds working. And uh, there's a, a horse, as we're, we're going to talk about the trials on Sunday night, Ed Burke Million. Um, can you talk a little bit about who, uh, about Ed Burke? And, um, well, Ed Burke was the racing secretary and pretty much the general manager here at Los Alamitos well before I came to work here. So I never met the man. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't tell you a whole lot about him except he was – a big figure in yeah the you know office uh, atmosphere here curly smith is the one that succeeded him okay and curly was well your dad could tell you more about curly smith than, than i could i mean i worked a little bit with curly mm -hmm. and he had a really good feel for the horses he knew every horse in that barn area he'd go out and clock the horses himself in the morning and he was really strict really you know, and he was really he had a, the rules were very, very stringent at that time. Yeah, and no. That was back in the 70s. And then after Curly Smith uh, retired, we had Dick Ballas come in as the racing secretary. Mm -hmm. And Ron Church succeeded Dick. Ron was here up until two years ago. And then Jay Conklin, who's an ex-jockey that rode A.V. Water Runner back yeah. in All-American Futurity, has now stepped in doing a very good job. So yeah. that's kind of how the progression's gone with the people in the racing office all right so that's a little bit of the background uh 11 trials and we just missed i want to say four more horses to make it 12 trials can have three pick fours but we're only gonna have two pick fours with 11 races 
think the scheduled post time is 6.20 or 6.40? At 6.20, uh, we're going to start nine minutes before Golden Gate's last race. Golden Gate's running 12 races. Yes. But I, th I think it was a great move on our part because we're going to take 26 minutes between races instead of 28. Okay. So our last race is going to go at 10.40. Well, right. Had we waited until Golden Gate was done and started 20 or 30 minutes afterwards, we would have been racing until 11.30, which is awfully late on a Sunday night yeah. when people have to get up and go to work the next yeah. morning. So. Well, well, that would uh, that would probably we'll probably be sleeping in doghouse if our spouses we got a little <laughs> bit later after that. So well, not necessarily. But we hit a couple of big fours to hand them a few dollars. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's anytime awesome. you can take them shopping. Yeah, you know, all is forgiven. By the way, not anything mentioned about the, the winnings. Tell us your biggest score ever: a big pick four, big pick six. The score I remember the most. It's not my biggest score, but, but yeah, there's a horse memorable. There's a horse called Both Ends Burning. Okay. which was a Neil Drysdale trained horse. And the re reason I remember this, I had gone up to work one of the thoroughbred meets at Bay Meadows, the San Mateo Fair. Okay. And I was just doing some work in the group sales department. And that's when they had a lot of the uh, jockeys come in from Australia for a special competition where they ran a big thoroughbred race up there at that time. So at the Bay Meadows invitation, I think, and Russell Bays rode this horse. And I was super impressed. Well, they, Neil Drysdale had brought Russell Bays down to ride the horse in the Oak Tree Invitational. Uh, at Santa Anita, a mile and a half from the turf. Okay. And I bet 250 to win, 250 to place on him, and got back 9,000. So that's, wow. And that at that time, I thought that was, you know, yeah. he went off at 25 to 1. Yeah. yeah. So, of course, I was in Reno the next day. I was crazy <laughs> at that time. I had no clue. You're you know, rich. Just, <laughs> you didn't just fire it all back, did you? No. no. It lasted two days. It lasted two days. <laughs> it lasted three days. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, but that's that's the score I probably remember the most. Yes. You know, and I've been involved, you know, and, and some pick sixes with people and yeah. everything else that have paid, you know, really well. Brad, it's funny, a friend of mine was at San Anita one day, and we go partners often, and I had gone to church that morning with my wife, and I call him up afterwards. He says, you know, he says, you're in for 20%. He put me in for 20% on the ticket. He okay. says, just, you know, because we're friends. Yeah. And it paid really well that day. So I said, I better start going to church all the time. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, my, myself, we've, we've, we uh, we're casino guys as well, so I don't blame you for going to Reno. <laughs> I don't go that, I, that, but that was back when I was single. Yeah, uh, I just uh, yeah had a girlfriend at that time. So I mean, it was you know it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, that's good. Right. You had the the big yeah. What was like, it? Sixty thousand? Sixty sixty five. Sixty five thousand. Uh, two thousand and six champion champions night. The wave cover. Yeah. I did not have Bia Bono on the outside. So you were scared at that? I was scared because I was watching it up. You know, I used to hang out right up to here in this, okay. on the grandstand on the top side. And I remember it was rainy that night. I was four for four. And that was when we used to run the, the feature one before the last. Mm -hmm. So Champion Champions was race 10. And then we had one more after that. So watching it live upstairs, I thought Bia Bono had won because of how the angle from over there. And I thought he had gotten up. And at that point, I think I was – I had – was it a political time in that field? Yeah, a political yeah. time, Wave Carver, and I, I want to say someone else. So, yeah, I was five for five, but I thought I was out. And then I didn't look at the world pace in the last race. I didn't want to look at them. Yeah. But I was guessing 10 grand, five grand or something. But it was a huge carryover, and I ended up getting like 65,000 on a $96 ticket, which is, which is great. So, next day I went to the dealership, bought me a truck, and the rest of the money's gone <laughs> by now. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was it was fun time. So you know, Los Al's been many memories, and let's see if we can make some more memories the rest the rest of the year. So eleven trials on Sunday night, and one of the horses I want to ask you, Ed, um, 
that had tons of trouble in the last few weeks was Book of Matches. Uh, and that horse is not in here. Did, did you do you know if that horse maybe was, wasn't nominated? Um, yeah, the, I went back and checked. The horse was not nominated. There you go. Okay. And I, I'm guessing that the horse will be in the trials for the governor's cup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's what they're planning on. And I'm not sure if there's any setback with the horse, but uh, I would think the longer distance is going to suit Book of Matches. In fact, Bobby Newman, who's the daytime thoroughbred announcer, yeah. was upset. He called me the other day and said, where's Book of Matches? Yeah. That's on his... Yeah. One of his horses had been waiting. Yeah. But I checked and he was not paid into this race. So I'm sure that knowing John Cooper, he won't want to work the horse before the trials for the Governor's Cup. So he'll probably try to put him in a maiden race. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, John's the type of why, why why do I have to work him when I don't get paid for working him? When yep. And the horse probably could use another race. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that that was one of the horses that had a huge trouble line. And we're all pretty sure we were all waiting for that horse to come yeah. back. So right. we'll, we'll, we'll probably see a lot of those two year olds that we didn't see tonight. Uh, entered back in the Governor's Cup uh, Futuri Trials, but your horse is entered, right? Oh, we're in. We're in. We're, so we're, we're going to talk about that. So let's get right to the trials, race number one, and we're going to let the guests go first. Can let no Ed Borgart uh, give us his, his his top selections first. So well, 350 yards, field of nine. Who uh, who did you lay as a morning favorite here? My late Perry's pleasure is a half sister to Jay Fire Up, who of course was the AQHA champion two years yeah. last year, and um. I thought Perry's Pleasure, of all the horses I've watched work this year, is one of the best workhorses I've seen. Had the two-hole the first time out and just didn't, kind of hesitated and didn't really start running until the last 16th. But if you watch the tape, the horse is probably two, three lengths in front before they hit the first turn. Yeah. So lo loaded with run, now going 350. And I remember Jay Fire Up lost the first time out and went on to get better as the uh, year went on. So I picked Perry's Pleasure over one Barry, who's got a little more quickness out of the gate. Uh, but I don't know if one Barry is going to be as effective going 350 as, as she was going 300. So I picked him 7-6 and a lot of delights for my third pick. Um, I like the fact that Carlos Huerta, who's been fighting his weight this year, won two races mm -hmm. on Friday night. Yeah. And when I talked to Jay Conklin, he said he was down in the jockstrom before the races Friday night and talked to Carlos and said that's the best Carlos has looked okay. in probably several months. So I think Carlos might have his weight issue under control. So if that's the case, he's a good rider. So those are the three I'm going with, the seven, six, and five. So we, we're pretty much on point. We, the, the consensus is out, and we printed it. Uh, and uh, me and Ed agree on a lot of races. So you're going to see a lot of common courses, courses from me and Ed. I just have a different different order. I like six, five, seven in that order. Um, I'm going to see, you know, I like the quickness from one berry out of the gate. But I think five and seven are probably the main threats there. So I'm just worried that they're all drawn right, right next to each other, which could lead to a little bit of, of, of trouble. But that's what I like. I'll go six, five, seven here in race one. Yeah, for my top pick, I went with the six, one Barry. Yeah. Just because of the gate speed that this horse carries, and I think three fifty is probably going to be the max distance this horse wants to go. Perry's pleasure does scare me from the works. You know, broke really fast in both times, which surprised me when you know he didn't get away that well in the beginning. But uh, came running on. But I'm hoping that one Barry can just outbreak him and kind of uh, carry that gate speed. Uh, for third, I went with the eight executive walk, who didn't really run a, a stellar, you know, time the first time out, but uh, broke well, and and just lugged out and got beat half a length. But this horse is a half to Big Blue, so uh, I, you know, if we see this horse improve just a little more, I think it can be right there. I like where he's drawn to the outside of Perry's Pleasure. There's plenty of good readings in in some of these horses. We got Perry's Pleasure to J. Pyro. We got one Barry out of Blackberry Check. 
Then we have executive walk there by uh, out of executive lick. So pretty uh, pretty good field to kick off the night of trial. So recap my picks, 6-5-7, and you went with? I went with 7-6-5. And you went? 6-7-8. All right, race two, uh, trial number two tonight. This is a field of eight. We got a, a few fields of nine. This is a, a field of eight. Um, and you got a SC Moneymaker who didn't get out all that quick in the in the kindergarten futurity here. But uh, I think maybe with a cleaner path, he should be tough to beat. But I'm going to try to beat him with a horse towards the inside and powerful favorite. But who who would you go with uh, here, at? My best bet of the night is the three power. Yeah. That okay. I, I love this yep. horse. I like the horse in the workouts going into the debut. And just the way this horse extended the stride. And Chris Odell is having a fantastic year. And the horses tend to get better the longer he has them. I don't know what Curtis thinks, but SC Moneymaker is going to be making uh, his fifth start since March. So yeah. we're talking five starts. And yeah. I don't think he's adjusted by put it that way. So no. I'm not, not knocking SC Moneymaker, but I think we've seen the best of SC Moneymaker. So I absolutely love Powerful Favorite. And I thought back in time as a horse, he might want to consider using the exotics. This horse uh, got knocked off stride badly last time out. I thought should have won. And I think that horse could run second if uh, SC Moneymaker doesn't show up. So. I like three, four, and six. You kind of took my the words out of my mouth as far as bagging time because in my notes here I said should have won. Look at that. So yeah, I we agree and we agree to the point. I like three, four, six as well. Everything you said about powerful favorite. One of my big notes with that I note wrote down in my video review was big, big strides. It just looked like a horse that's going to enjoy the extra distance. So me and Ed agree once again here in race two. Would you go here with uh, Curtis? Yeah. I think we all went with powerful Ooh, favorite. We're all against the all against the SC Moneymaker. Yeah, I think we've just like Ed said, this and horse might have maxed out at that fifteen thirty one. I yeah. think that yeah, that's a really tough time to, to go faster than and, and to improve. He did have a lot of trouble in the final for the kindergarten, but you know, I from watching powerful favorite in the works, I, I thought this horse was just really under a hold in those, came out and and drew clear in that debut effort, really showed us that in the I think the 350 will be no problem for this horse. Uh, I went for a price in my third spot. I went Corona Crush uh, for Unite Rodriguez. In the debut, I thought there was a pretty good uh, maiden effort there with Stevie B Flash of Cash, and I like my chances. Uh, some of those horses came back to, to run well and just uh, stumbled coming out of the gate. Really didn't show anything in that fraternity trial, but I think with a clean start, maybe this horse can get brave. I don't think... I don't think she's anywhere. He's anywhere near the three or the four. Yeah. But uh, I, I think he can do well with a, a fast start. I, I'm I'm very interested in seeing the first two trials because I think the first two trials are going to have some solid runners that could probably set the bar as far as the time goes to begin the night. So, all right, we're going to try to beat SC Moneymaker. Uh, all three of us will go with powerful favorite there in race number two, race three, field of eight, and this is a runner that. I was very visually impressed with the debut victory, uh, and now it's coming in from out of town from Monte Rosa. So I'll pick eight political pens on top. Uh, don't know. I was visually impressed with Monster Hand. I don't know if the extra this is going to benefit, but I'll give the slat edge to the outside eight political pens because of the outside post. I watched the videotape on eight political pens. I happened to go back to that Remington Park race. Yeah. And about 20 yards before the wires, I don't know if it was the off track or what, the horse swerved yes. out about five lanes and uh, annihilated another horse, basically. Yeah. That's why the horse got disqualified. I wish the workout would have been a little bit better. That's mm -hmm. my only concern. Yeah. He's under some pressure in the workout, and I, I was not overly impressed with the work. So I, I would spread in here myself. You know, Monster Hand, 
is out of Remember Me Rose, who was the dam of powerful <laughs> yes. and the dam of the Revenant. Never it was the uh, champion's dam, I think, was won our three bars, not the three bars award, but the James uh, B. A. Carter Award last year. Yeah. Because it dropped uh, several good runners. So and She's dropped, like, quality runners. Yeah. I mean, they're all allowance yes. company and above. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think if you follow Los Alas, just one of the families <laughs> you, you had to pick up from. Yeah. Yeah, remember me, Rose, just dropping winner after winner. I put Monster Hand on top again. Uh, for a second, I went with Apolitical Pence. Yes. Kind of what we've been saying, this, this horse, you know. He looked like he was going to win by like two or three lengths at one point. Yeah, I mean, the horse just looks so quick early and, and draws an outside post here. But I thought the same thing as Ed. Uh, he had a nice time of 12-3, but I think he was under urging. You know, he was under a drive throughout. And I, I just didn't really like that too much. And sometimes... Trainers don't do that well coming off of uh, Trey Wood, so I put him in the second spot. All right, so I'll go 3-4. You'll go 3-8? Yeah, 3-8, yeah. right? I went 3-8-4. I thought Wrecking Ball finished yes. well yeah. uh, in, in his debut effort. You know, almost made up uh, a length there, so uh, I gave him a shot in third. What did you pick for third, Ed? I picked uh, Tass's Tiny Pebble, but I'm I'm not wild about this race. I am I would spread You're it probably myself. You're probably spread, yeah. I'm yeah. playing pick four, I'm... Yeah. I think I would use one, three, four, seven, and eight. I think one of those five is going to win, but I could see I could see an upset in here because I'm not overly sold on um, a monster hand on a political pence. I would have been more sold on had the work been better. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's just going to be a tricky leg. Probably go uh, a few deep here in race number three, fourth leg, the payoff leg of the early pick four. We got a field of eight here. And uh, who did you lay as the morning line favorite here? I laid Teller, he's famous as a morning line favorite. You can toss out walk with Jess, has no shot. <laughs> I'm out of here. You guys <laughs> but I, I, those are the two horses I like. Yes. I, I thought it was walk with Jess, and Curtis can talk about this more because uh, he's part of and the ownership of this horse. Really lugged in badly. First yeah. time out, Oscar was, uh, had his feet up in the dashboard the last eighth of a mile. Yeah. What, what did Oscar say, or did he tell your dad anything afterwards? He just said he, you know, he didn't want to run over the Paul Jones runner to the inside. And uh, he felt that he was just lugging in. He, at that time, he probably wasn't going to beat the outside horse. So better to save the horse than to, you know, to run over and cause more trouble. But, yeah, I got to pick uh, Walk with Jess on to, top. You you know, this, to. I was really scared of what he was going to do uh, in his debut. And he, he kind of ran to his PPs if you, if you watch both workouts. You know, he, he would break out quickly, but mm -hmm. he, he ran really greenly. Green, yeah. So same exact thing. He broke strong, and I, I, he was right there with the outside horse. Uh, he was really close early, right on the lead, but you know, just started lugging in, and like Ed said, Oscar was standing up on him, and we just uh, decided to save him and come back here. So they, obviously the horse that's carried you the most is going to be the seven-tiller. He's famous. Um, I like seven, six, four. Four card tricks there for Terry Knight. It's probably a, a horse that it can improve. Had worked 12-20 before that debut. It ran okay there, finishes second behind Deceiver, who was a very nice winner that night. But I think the race is really between the six and the seven. Do you agree? I agree. And I think you see one Andrade riding card tricks. He's been working a lot of horses in the morning for the Terry Knight outfit, along with uh, Jesus Ayala. So he's getting the mount here on card tricks because Jesus is riding uh, some of the more prominent uh, horses from the Legacy Ranch later on. Of course, we'll talk about the horse that won the kindergarten futurity yeah. that he's going to be riding in race number six here in a little bit. But I would definitely think that uh, Tellery's Famous, I thought, was uh, won a lot easier than the margin indicates. It looked like Ayala had a lot of horse yeah. left and 
I'm just going to use the seven and six. I feel pretty comfortable with those two horses. I think that they're going to probably separate themselves from the field. I agree. Uh, I think the race has been between those two, and we'll see if Curtis gets his picture taken there after race four. But most importantly, it's going to be the time. Got to put in a quick time early in the cart. Yeah, I mean, these time trials, they, they come down, you know, to the, the thousands of the second. Like I said, it's it's pretty tough when I think I've been 11th twice. So, yeah. I, I like I'm in an earlier trial, but at the same time, I got to sweat the rest of the night. All right, race five, uh, field of nine here for for the fifth uh, race, and morning line favorite is going to be uh, is it Miss Ko? Yes, yeah. right. Yeah, Miss Ko is going to be the morning line favorite. Uh, is that the horse you picked on top as well, or no? Yeah, I really like Miss Ko because she did something a lot of horses can't do: qualified for the kindergarten just off a trial race with no race before that, and I think the distance is going to favor Miss Ko. The Horse missed the break the first time out from the rail and pulled away and had quite a bit of trouble in the finals of the kindergarten. Kind of shifted out, but then got bumped in the hind quarters by yeah. the call yeah. of the eighth ball. And mm -hmm. that's the reason why Miss K.O. was not disqualified. But the horse was caught in tight quarters of the wire and still kept trying. So I would think Miss K.O. has a pretty good advantage on here. The other horse I would consider in here would be the uh, eight horse, Majestic Mr. Perry, because I like the way the horse worked before the debut and mm -hmm. ran to those works last time out. And I know Jaime Gomez prepares his horses for these trials. Yeah. So I thought that those were the three horses in here, the uh, five, eight, and I'd throw Conquering Marie in as well. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a, comp a competitive feel here. You got a few runners that had shown talent in the mornings that could put it together second time out. I went five, six, eight in that order. So we talked about Miss K.O. Conquering Marie there looked terrific on debut there. Just finished second behind Miss K.O., I think the only benefit is that maybe she could outbreak Miss K.O. Uh, drawing right next to each other. That's the only scenario that I could see the six upsetting the five. Uh, obviously, the eight you talked about more. So I'll go five, six, eight here. Yeah, I went six, five, eight. Conquering Marie is my top pick. I, I just think uh, being drawn outside of Miss K.O. will help this time. Gets out of the two hole. And uh, it was only beaten by three quarters of a length. Wasn't going to beat Miss K.O. last time, but hopefully with a, a better break. And. Who knows? Maybe conquering Maria loved the 350 yards. Yeah. and uh, Not a huge upset, but hopefully and, a little one. And I've got a note that a lot of people won't pick up on, but I talked to the stewards about this about a week ago. The three-horse nautical seat yeah. was entered here two weeks ago in a maiden race, but for some reason was listed as a gelding with the AQHA, and he was a colt. Oh, really? And with the new CHRB rules that came out, because wagering had already opened here, and he was a gelding in the program. Yeah. yeah. And we were going to have to announce he was a colt. The stewards were forced to scratch the horse. Oh, uh, okay. So he was not. They felt bad about it, but uh, that's the way the rules are now, because of the sex change and yeah. what's happened with these first-time geldings and other uh, other changes. So that's why the horse came back and worked out of the gate on May the nineteenth, three hundred fifty yards, mm -hmm. which may have been to his benefit anyway. But yeah. if you're looking why Nautical C was scratched, he's he was actually a colt the first time, but he was listed as a gelding. But that's before that new rule came out. I don't think uh, you know. It's that far outside the realm of possibility here for, you know, nautical C to win. I, I thought his debut effort was was all right. You know, he had a little bit of trouble. He got bumped and lugged in at the start, but you know, he only lost by a length, and he was well back that day. And, and you know, hopefully, he can just improve a little and uh, be back to be back to normal. And Chrisman has been having a few uh, good few weeks the last few weeks. He's back uh, riding well and picking up some wins. So that's going to be nautical C there from post number. Three. Yes. All right. Race six. Field of eight here. And uh, we have. Let me look at the morning line. 
Okay, so I went with the two Corona by Corona. Wicked Affair, what what odds do you expect Wicked Affair to be at post time? One to five. Yeah, right? I'll be very surprised. <laughs> I was almost laid the horse. It's going to lay the horse two to five. And I, it, it balanced out with one to two. And I, I do respect the horse that you picked, uh, Corona by Corona. I just wish the horse wasn't drawn inside. Yeah. I, I talked to Keith Nelson after his last race, and Keith says, I sure hope I don't draw inside. I know. This yeah. horse just wants to yeah. luck. Yeah. And you can't afford a mistake. I think Wicked Affair is the best two-year-old on the grounds. So I thought that before the kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And according to what Pete Corella from the Legacy Ranch told me, that the horse is doing better now than she was really? going into the kindergarten, that she's not regressed at all. So yeah. if that's the case, the added distance, I think, is going to really help her. Yeah, all eyes will be on Wicked Affair. She really turned it on the second half of the race last time out from the outside post. She lugged in a little bit, but she had that clear path, was able to get the job done. I'm going to see if the, if the two Corona by Corona could post a mild upset, but who else would uh, would scare you in this field to, to maybe complete the trifecta or super? Oh, God. I, Curtis can help out on that. I just think Wicked Affair is a complete standout. And talking about whether the horse lugs or not, it's drawn between two horses that don't have that much ability. Yes. Right? I mean, that's yeah. really going to help Wicked yeah. Affair. That even if the horse makes a little bit of a mistake, I don't think the horse is going to lose the path away from the gate. And I just think that um, I'll be very surprised if, in my opinion, she doesn't win by a length and a half. That's yeah. just the way I feel. I'm on with the, the seven, tough enough, Jess, in second. I, I thought it was a pretty good debut effort. Went 15-68, but I, the horse was hand-urged. You know, I didn't really think that Eduardo Nicasio was, was asking mm -hmm. all of uh, this horse. And, you know, Jose Nicasio gets aboard this time. But I've learned that that's okay. Yes. If he's switching the Nicasio yeah. brothers like that. But, you know, I don't think they can beat uh, the four-wicked affair, but... Yeah, I think uh, Tough Enough Jess can get in there for the exact thing. Yeah, Tough Enough Jess is my third choice on paper just because interesting that he debuted it, he got the job done, and now he's a first-time gelding. So they gelded him after that victory, which is interesting. You know, that's It was on the proof. I wanna, we, we took that oh, off. Oh, okay. He was a gelding last time he ran. Nah, okay, good. He was actually uh, he was a gelding first, uh, I think, last time he That's why it didn't make sense to me. Right, so no. so he, I, was, he was a gelding the first time out and for some reason came back on the proof. Okay. We got to change for the official program. Good, so, yeah. Okay. So I'm reading still off the, the proof. So my mistake on that one, so Tough Enough Jess was a, a gelding beforehand. Uh, but my big note on this, he's a big-bodied gelding that, that could maybe improve going through 50. So uh, we'll see if a Wicked Affair can post a fast clocking in race number six. Race seven, got a field of nine. And this where uh, you got another runner coming out of the, the kindergarten. That's Striver. Who I think ran a bang up effort in the in the in the kindergarten, and I think she still looked maybe a little bit green. She she kind of waited on a few horses once she got to them, but overall I was very impressed with that second place finish from Starry. Yeah, normally going into the Ed Burke trials, and I think Curtis might agree with me. But in the past, I've thrown out the kindergarten horses because they're coming back in three weeks, and mm -hmm. it's usually an inferior bunch that go in the kindergarten. But my yeah. personal opinion this year is that the group in the kindergarten was stronger than normal. Yes. And I think Striver can finish. That's what impressed me the time mm -hmm. before. And I, I almost picked Parsons Rocket on top because that horse improved so much the second time out. And I think Parsons Rocket's going to benefit by the added distance. But I don't think the horse is quick enough to go with Striver. So those are the two I like. And Dexter would be my third selection in here. I'm, he impressed. I think Curtis liked Dexter the first time yeah. out when he had the outside. Yeah. He, uh, he just broke out there. And uh, he got bumped a little bit and drifted in. But he went on with his business there. And, you know, Put up a little bit slower time than we were used to seeing of the, I think the top two year olds in fifteen seventy, but you know, beat uh, Nautical C who we talked about and walk through bar was a horse that 
I think is a really quick breaker and can't finish. So the fact that Dexter got outbroke by walkthrough bar, you know, didn't really surprise me. But it, you know, I like the way Dexter finished it. You know, if you really like him, I think you're getting a good price at five to one. I went with uh, Striver because this horse finally made a believer out of me. Yeah. After uh, the kindergarten, you know, when he came out in his his maiden, you know, debut effort. He was going against Wicked Affair, and he broke really sharp. And I thought, okay, well, he just you know caught a flyer yeah. and, and you know put up a really good time against against Wicked Affair. But then he came back in those trials, and he fired again right away with fifteen forty four. And then he put up another fifteen forty five after lugging in throughout. And I just think he's just a really professional racehorse, and and, and he likes doing what he does. And you know, I, I think he should just come back and fire another good effort. All right, so we're we're in agreement that Striver comes out of a very good effort. Um, Dexter will probably be my long shot play on paper. Five to one will probably get every bit of that. So that's probably the only horse that I could see upsetting uh, Striver in race number seven. Race eight, we got a field of eight here to start. Is it the start of the late pick four? Eight, nine, ten. Yes, I can do math. Yes, it is the start <laughs> of the late pick four. And uh, field of eight. And uh, who did you uh, who did you give the check mark here, Ed? To your lock of the night. Oh, yes. I didn't realize it's going to be yes. his lock of the night. Hey, it's my check. I'm not going to get any kind of prize now. It's going to give it out. Well, it's my top selection, but I, I, I could not make him a lock. <laughs> That's my feeling. But uh, he was on my horses to watch this hot little kitty I thought was giant the first time out. Had all kinds of trouble. Was caught behind horses at the eighth pole, galloped out huge. And I like the way the horse finished in the workouts before. I don't think she's that slow out of the gate, but I just wish that uh, she was drawn towards the outside. But Yeah. That's my top selection in yeah, here because we the agree. rest of the field, uh, Mr. A Political and Quick to Royalty, I think they're decent horses, but I think the distance is going to definitely favor the two. Yeah, and I think that's that's why I went with the lock in this race, not only because of the trouble line out of the two, but also because of the the other quality in the field. There's not any standouts, so I think it was a good shot to take a take a shot at a price. I'm not going to get any price. Ed Berger yeah. gave it out. So If you two both give out a horse, it has no shot. <laughs> no <it>. shot. <laughs> so we'll see what kind of odds uh, how little kitty gets at post signs, but everything Ed said about huge trouble line, stuff behind yeah, horses. we got to find out what Curtis thinks. Yes. Uh, I went with the six, Mr. Okay, Ed there you go. Pole. All right. All right. But I was flip-flopping between the two and the six. Oh. I, uh, what you guys were saying before about how well this horse had finished, uh, the two horse, hot little kitty, yeah. how well um, – she had finished. I, I thought this horse was finishing also in her works. And uh, I like the, the kitty ups. You know, they tend to be finishing too. Yes. So so going this extra 50 yards, you know, should be a benefit. But I just like that, that May 1st work of, of Mr. A Political and yes. uh, ran against Parsons Rocket, who we previously talked about in the debut. And I think 1561 is a pretty good number yes. there. It had a little bit of trouble. So. It's drawn next to Quick to Royalty, who's a quick breaker, so I, I don't think there should be a, a whole lot of trouble there. And, you know, if Hot Little Kitty uh, doesn't break like she did last time, you know, could definitely be there in the winter circle. What, what, and the other, the other note I can tell you, because uh, uh, Ed Allred owns Los Alamitos Racetrack, he has so many horses, and when it comes to the trials, I've talked to Scott Willoughby and I've talked to Jimmy Lynn before. Yeah. He does not want to run a horse in the trials if it's going to be 20 or 30 to 1. He says, if I'm going to run a horse, I better have a chance. Yeah. So that's why you don't see a lot of his horses in the trials. He's, he's just a, he doesn't want to just take up space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's only got a couple of horses in the trials on Sunday. So that tells me that uh, they're pretty high on Hot Little Kitty. That could also get pretty expensive with all those maturity <laughs> trial payments. <laughs> well, he's got the money. Yeah. True. True. But, uh, yeah, it could, it could get pricey. And I can tell you, this is, for all the horses he breeds, this is not, he didn't breed this one. He bought this one at the sale. 
for $57,000. So when he goes out and buys a horse and pays a pretty penny, uh, I think they, they expect some good things out of a hot little kitty. So we'll see if we can get a, a four to one or closer to that. But I'm guessing I'm, he's probably going to be eight to five now. Well, I don't know if he's yeah. been quite that short. I'm guessing probably two to one. Two to one. I think he and Mr. A Political will probably go off at about the same. Now, are, I didn't I didn't know what to make of the seven, the invader. But obviously, he's a horse that won his debut by a length and a half, then came back in the in the Dixie Petrie there and finished second by a neck. Obviously, there's no video replay analysis to to look at. So, well, but he did work between races that night. Yeah. Gave that 330, 350 yard workout. Yeah. yeah. And he was never asked to run too much. He drifted in. He worked. Decent. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't overly thrilled with the workout. I think the horse definitely has a chance, but I, I wouldn't bet my house on it. No. So we'll we'll see. That's a, that's the 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 question mark horse as far as this field goes. Yeah, I think uh, the only one we haven't talked about really was uh, the five quick to royalty. This horse is you know well regarded from the work. Yes. You know just uh, how well she could break and how quickly she was, but I don't know. She hasn't really shown. Uh, that final kick that's necessary. So I don't, I don't know if the 50 yards is going to be to her liking, but uh, I think she can break out of there and uh, stay with him for a little while. All right. So that's the start of the pick where I'm probably going to single the two. If I'm right, we'll, we'll move on. If not, we'll, we'll probably get beat by one of the other ones, but I'll take a shot there with hot little kitty race. Number nine, the final pick three of the card field of nine. Um, did you, uh, did you give the check mark to uh, razzle dazzle? Ed? No, I gave it to uh, Alley Babe Foose. Oh. really like the way the horse okay. won first time out. Um, the horse that ran second uh, is coming back. Uh, Golden Boy Gons is coming back in the 11th race. Yes. the final trial. And I thought those two horses really ran well. Fire and Fury ran in the second race, I believe, here on Sunday night, which will be the second trial. So we'll see how that horse comes out. But uh, I just like the way Alley Babe Foose uh, overcame a little early trouble. What caught my eye was there was another two-year-old race that night that was run a length and a half slower. So I think time-wise, uh, Allie Babe, who's got a big number. Yeah, and then she's going to be there from post number four. Uh, who did you pick on top here, Curtis? I went with the four, Allie Babe, Foose. Okay. Uh, same reasons. that uh, just was just dueled and was pretty game throughout there. And But I remember Jaime uh, told Orlando in an interview about some of the horses he was high on, and this was one of the horses he mentioned. So, you know, coming back and firing a big effort wouldn't surprise me. Uh for second place, I went to the far outside for the sad face yeah, emoji. Sad face emoji. And uh, Jose Flores, you know, dropped a big upset there in debut. But I really liked that this horse was, you know, along the rail and finished out really nicely uh, against Accommodating, who came back to win and just gets off the rail and is drawn back outside here. I give her a big look. That's who I picked on top. I'm going to pick sad face emoji on the outside. Uh, I, just, I like the way this, this horse ran straight there in that. And that uh, debut win looked professional. So I'll pick the nine on top. Ali Beifu is going to be my second choice. And probably a long shot. Probably the two no telling there uh, to complete the trifecta. So I'll go nine for two. I'm throwing Razzle Dazzle. I can't completely ignore that horse. Yeah. He, he beat no telling pretty easily last yeah. time. And I don't think the distance is going to hurt Razzle Dazzle. But one more note about Ali Beifu's babe on the fly has been a really productive uh, yep. yes. dam. And mm-hmm. she was an outstanding racehorse as well. So I think the breeding indicates that uh, Ali Beifu's is going to run really strong. Yeah, I went uh, four nine six. I threw Razzle Dazzle in there as well. Mm-hmm. I just had a really nice win, was in command throughout last time. So we'll, we'll see if uh, she can get the 350 yards. And she was favorite in debut there when finishing third behind Pack Light. Um, all right, that's race number nine, the start of the late double here in race number 10. Got a field of eight. And uh, this is probably one of the most, one of the visually impressive runners that impressed me. 
uh, off of a win. And I'm talking about the eight, Jess Curling on the outside, who improved very, very much so from the first start to the second start. He just looked like a big, big gelding uh, that could enjoy the 350. So I'll give Jess Curling, Jess Curling on the outside the check mark here for race 10. Wow, so there was a toss-up to me between the five and the eight. I went with Jess yep. Curling just because of the huge improvement second time mm -hmm. out. Like the outside draw and the distance, I think, is definitely going to... And it was at this point when you could, uh, you can blame the technical difficulties on uh, on the producer myself because <laughs> I believe I pressed uh, the wrong button, so we we missed the analysis there for that race. Let's pick it right back up where we're wrapping race eleven. If you want to get the top three picks for from Curtis and Ed Burgart and myself, of course, um, they'll be on the consensus that I'll attach to the article at losponies.com and also on Twitter. But a little bit of technical malfunctions there, uh, courtesy of yours truly. But let's pick it up, recapping the picks for race 11, uh, and then just talking about the Triple Crown with Justify there with Ed Burgart and Curtis Treese to end the show. All right, so that's race 11. To recap, I'll go race 11. We'll go 8, 5, and 2, the same as Ed. And uh, Curtis will go 8, 5, and 7. All right, that's a, a wrap-up on trials night and a little bit of Talking with Mr. Ed Berger, then to recap, what did you think of uh, Justify, Triple Crown? Well, awesome, obviously. I mean, Mike Smith's a friend of mine, yeah. so that makes a big difference. I've gotten to know Mike pretty well, and to me, no one's more deserving to win a Triple Crown than Mike as much as he's done for racing. And, of course, the first thing he started talking about was he was going to, like, uh, start talking about the disabled riders yes. on the gallop, you know, when, when Donna Brothers was interviewing him yeah. afterwards, and Obviously, Justify ran a perfect race. He broke super, was able to make a comfortable lead. Um, other horses were unable to get in good position to go after Justify early, and that was able to control the pace. But what impressed me most about Justify is that he beat nine other horses, and no other Triple Crown winners ever beaten that many yeah. horses in the Belmont. I mean, when Man of War and those horses won, they were going against the small three fields. Yeah. fields. Even Secretariat only had to beat four horses, but I don't want to compare this race to Is secretary that, yeah. that's the best i've ever seen a yeah. horse run but i was super super impressed yeah. so do you watch the race brothers yeah i watched it and uh i thought he just everything set up just the way he wanted after uh the other baffert runner yeah. kind of carried everything out race riding yeah maybe got a little help there but <laughs> i mean he just had everything his way he, did. he, he got the fractions how he wanted i think uh gronkowski had had everything you know he you know that he wanted to he he was reserved to the back there and really made a run yes at and, one uh, point it looked like he was going to challenge him but yeah watching the helicopter view of uh gronkowski all the way around you know my, my parents they were they were saying oh look you know he could have beat him yeah. if there was only a little bit more I said, they're going a mile and a yeah, half you know he made his bid where, where he got you know within a length and a half two yeah. lengths and justified just kicked on and it was really impressive the horse was was well deserved now uh me and Ed talked a little bit about this, and I'm in the camp that we might not see him race again just because the resume's there. He's undefeated. He's a Triple Crown winner. Yeah. There's not really much upside now. They already mm -hmm. sold the breeding rights, yeah, so, I believe, for $60 million. So yeah. I, I'm on the boat that we probably won't see him again. What did you think? You know, in this day and age, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they just – that's it. Yeah. He's done. He, he's proved that he's the best. He, he can retire undefeated. Yes. You know, I think after American Pharaoh, you know, won the Triple Crown. He didn't have anything left to prove no. after that, but they came back and, and ran him again. But, you know, if they wanted to stop now, 
you know, they can. I think they probably will. Yeah, I think in previous horses, we would have probably been saying, no, nah, why stop now? But I think his his resume is so special that I think it's oh, – He's a cult. Yeah, yeah. That makes a big difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a lot more upside to just shut it down, retire and feed it, and, and go to the British. Yeah, when you have a gelding, there's not much to think about. You, <laughs> no. you, can, you can go out there and keep making uh, that steady paycheck, but – you know, when you're a colt or, or a mare with, with high-profile wins, they want to get you in the breeding That's why area. I keep working. I'm yeah. Like, I could keep getting stronger. Because I know. Yeah, wife is, wife is going to want to have that wallet to save some trifecta. So. All right, Ed, thanks for joining us. That was fun. And we'll talk uh, next week, Curtis. All right, bye, everybody.